Are you ready to head back to the movies? I'm Jerry Barmash, and this is Here Now the News. COVID numbers are way down, and vaccine rates are way up, leading to a collective sigh of relief. One place where we can get back to the old days pre-pandemic is gathering at movie theaters. My guest this week is Matt Neglia, who runs the Next Best Picture website and podcast. For five years, Neglia and his staff of film aficionados have been doing movie reviews, but it all leads to awards season and a front row seat, as his brand suggests, handicapping the Next Best Picture and all the other categories. The Brooklyn native Neglia also takes you to red carpets at the top film festivals. Ever since I was a young kid, I always loved the art form. And as, as I got older, I started learning a lot more about it. And then eventually that kind of all started to grow to a point where I needed to do something with the industry. I didn't know what. I tried getting into production. Um, I found out pretty quickly it wasn't for me. It just wasn't something that I enjoyed doing. Uh, and I was kind of stuck then for a couple of years in my 20s where I was kind of like aimlessly like going through a stage of like, wandering around not really knowing where i was going in life and then one day i was just sitting at home with nothing to do and just turned to my roommate and i was like i'm gonna make a website and my roommate goes do you know how to do that and i was like nope and i was like i'm gonna make a podcast and i'm gonna do like a weekly talk show and he's like do you know how to do any of that and i was like nope i'm gonna just figure it all out and learn it as i go so wow. you know it's like i haven't really been doing this for a long time and in that regard it's very it's moved pretty quickly to the point where it's like every day I'm still learning and every day I'm still getting better. I, I don't feel like I am any better than any of my colleagues or peers out there at all. Five years you started the website and the podcast. Yeah. So like about a year before I started it, I was doing uh, my own personal blog, but it wasn't next best picture. It was some, just something else. And so I was um, in that stage, you know, gathering as much information as I possibly could about like, how to run a website, how to run a podcast. And then the summer of uh, 20, the summer of 2016 is when I started building everything. I was just thinking in my mind, websites, obviously they've been around. Podcasts were, but I, I, they really have exploded in those five years. I agree. Podcasts were something that wasn't that big when I first got into it. I think it was rising. And then I think I kind of came along at just the right time uh, where podcasts, like you said, like really exploded. Now it seems like everybody tries to have a podcast and, you know, that's all well and good. You know, we need as many voices out there as humanly possible uh, commenting on this stuff so that we get these unique perspectives. Um, and nobody wants to hear people saying the same thing. You know, people want to hear different opinions, different takes, because that's how we grow. Right. So I always find that if you diversify the stuff that you listen to and you hear lots of opinions as opposed to the same opinion, it'll make you better in turn. So the saturation doesn't hurt you. No, not at all. I mean, and if, even if it did like hurt me, how, right? Because at the end of the day, I don't really care so much about any form of success or anything like that, that comes from this. I just love being given the opportunity to do what it is that we do. And for me, that's what I'm more, grateful about than honestly anything else having said that though that you're not looking for the quote-unquote success would this become a full-time job career um if the opportunity presented itself to me I, I i definitely would take it but i'm not so like i said it's not my driving like motivating factor of life so because of that i'm not 
throwing myself into it with reckless abandon without a plan and hoping it all just turns out the way I want it to turn out because I'm taking everything with a very, very cautious, measured and strategic approach. Slow and steady wins the race as far as I'm concerned. Right. And, and social media, I, I, obviously that's where I connected with you. You've got a big following on Twitter. I mean, I guess it's all relative. We're over 26,000 at this yeah. point. Yeah. It's, it's nice. Once again, you know, it's interesting because there was a time where it was like, I felt like I could say anything I wanted on the internet and nobody would hear me or see it and so on and so forth. Now I can type a single uh, letter as a tweet and everyone will just like explode and be like, what does he mean? What is, what is he talking about? You know? And so everything I do gets a reaction now, which, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Right. Uh, but sometimes I do miss almost having social media be almost kind of like an information dump journal, if you will, of whatever thoughts are in my head. And as you get bigger, you start to cater that a little bit more towards your audience. And also too, you realize social media is a tool that is not meant to be your therapist. It's meant to be um, a tool to connect with people. Yeah. Uh, but you shouldn't be, uh, you know, spewing every single thing that pops in your brain on social media. Do you like that you have the, and maybe power isn't the right word, but that you have that power with uh, uh, followers? I don't like it. If I'm being completely honest with you, um, as I mentioned earlier, I just like being given the opportunity to see the movies and talk about the movies as far as like, if someone said to me, oh, you're an influencer all of a sudden or something like that, I, that freaks me out. Um, I don't really like having that responsibility and that kind of a label. I appreciate that people like what I do and like what my team does. And they pre- I appreciate that they like the podcast and so on and so forth. But that's never been a title or um, something that I've just ever been fully comfortable with. But you have a voice. Obviously, your brand is is building uh, between the podcast and how uh, weekly the podcast. Uh, yeah. So we not only weekly, like sometimes it feels like it's daily, daily. Um, <laughs> it all, it all depends. So like right now, for example, um, we just posted our review of in the Heights, uh, today. Don't and then, I'm seeing it tomorrow. So don't say oh, fantastic. You seen it in the theater? Yes. First Good. time in a year and a half. Yeah. Excellent. I love hearing that. Um, it's going to be great. I, I'm sure you're going to have an amazing time. Um, Tomorrow we'll do our, our weekly talk show, which we do every Sunday. And then uh, throughout the week, we'll do sporadic things, interviews, more reviews. Um, we might throw something fun in there, like a television conversation or a conversation about Broadway when it reopens. Uh, we do those like on a monthly basis. So it, it's very, very varied in terms of like the content, um, right. which, I, which I really appreciate because it just kind of helps us to have our finger on the pulse about a lot of things that are happening. And, and, you know, and you do use Twitter to interact with people and and I'm sure that increases your following, but Mm -hmm. it also helps with, uh, as we were saying with that brand. I mean, you are a go-to person in the film critic circle. So I've been told, um, I, (laughs) I, you know, there are a lot of critics out there who look down on me because I'm an awards guy. And there are some people who take the art form of film criticisms very seriously And I actually really do admire those people because I think their writing uh, justifies them being, uh, them having those feelings because their writing is that good. My writing is not one that I would consider to be good necessarily. But what I do know is I do know the awards game better than most people do. And I think that 
that's that is definitely a true thing is that there are film critics and there are awards pundits film critics think they understand awards and awards pundits think they understand film criticism so they're always coming into conflict with one another um i would like to think that uh people come to me for the awards perspective but they will stay for what i have to say about the movies themselves um but at the end of the day it's it's been a very very interesting journey where you realize that sometimes what you have to say about a movie doesn't really matter. You know, it's like, but, but if somebody, but, but it matters to that one person who thinks that it matters, you know? So if one person reads your stuff and nobody else does, and that one person likes what you have to say and they want to keep following you, then it does matter. You know, you might think, Oh, it doesn't matter because people are free to make up their minds and read other people. And, you know, they don't have to listen to what I have to say, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think that really just, once again, comes back down to why are you doing this then? Are you looking for some form of validation for yourself, for your writing, et cetera? It's like me, it's like, I don't, I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking to be validated. I just want the ability to be able to talk about this stuff because this is the stuff that brings me joy. As I mentioned before, being at a film festival and staying in a line waiting for uh, a film as we're queuing up and being able to talk to people in line about what movies they've liked at the festivals, what movies did they like mm. last year, this year, et cetera. Like that brings me so much joy. It, it's very, for me, it's very, very simple. I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to change the world. I just found I personally just happened to find the thing that for me made me happy. And so for obviously in the pursuit of happiness, I am going down that path for myself. Were, were you always into uh, awards, uh, you know, younger growing up? Was that something you were always following? Yeah. So my first ever um, award show that I vividly remember, because I remember, I know I've seen award shows before this, but this is the one that like stood out was, when I watched um, Lord of the Rings win uh, 11 Oscars for Return of the King in 2003, I was 13 years old. And I just had this feeling of like, oh, my God, like my favorite movies win awards. Whoa, whoa like that's crazy. And quickly found out that that wasn't the case at all. Uh, but then I just started diving into the history of it all. Uh, I was so obsessed with Lord of the Rings and that three year journey uh, that those theatrical films went on that um, that was really kind of like my gateway into huh. everything production, the awards game, like everything. So it was, it was pretty cool to have that be the introduction, if you will. I, I remember watching it with my mother, my father, now my wife, then I was working one night and the award, the Oscars, I was saying Oscars, I'm saying awards for the generic sure, yeah, no, I know. Oscars. And I was watching it. We had a TV on at work and I called my wife and she was watching it with a friend. And now we do an Oscar party every year, mm. uh, although we didn't do it. Well, we did a Zoom one this year as everything else was Zoom. Of course. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Speaking of that, with the world of Zoom that we've been in and the movies for the last year and, and more have been streaming for the most part i mean mo yeah. i don't think there've been too many theaters that were open anywhere in the country not many no and now it's beginning to open up we're certainly seeing it in new york in a, in a big way and and many other states as well it has to be huge for the filmmakers the actors and and i'm sure for everyone going to the theater as well it's 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 that time you know it's a big uh, restart time yeah no it really is and i think that a lot of people i think that you know talking to a lot of people you get so many different opinions on this. There are so many folks I've talked to who are anxious to go back 
and really miss being um, not so much like in the theater, but more so feeling the energy of the people around you. That's something that also kind of goes back to what I was saying before about like how much I love even having a conversation with you right now about this industry. Um, it's that communal shared experience that we are connecting over. And so you get that in a theater, but the way you get that is so different because you're all reacting to the same thing and you're not communicating with each other. Instead, you're sharing in an experience. And that is something that um, I think is irreplaceable, especially after a whole year of watching stuff at home without right. anyone else to react to with it. Um, that feeling was definitely missed. With that said, there is something to be said for, uh, I'll speak just for myself personally, but like, I really do not like riding mass transportation, um, especially during the summer when it is scorching hot. And so if there is usually a choice between a link and going to see something in the theater, I'm oh. usually going to take the link because it also just saves me time with the commuting and so on and so forth. Um, you know, but everyone's got different answers. Uh, there are certain movies that I do feel like you do need to see in a theater, like, you know, A Quiet Place Part 2, I'm sure not, wouldn't have been as good at home as it was in the theater. I feel that way also about um, In the Heights that just recently uh, came out. And so there are certain movies that definitely warrant it. But um, I do feel that if given a choice right now, I can totally understand why some people are choosing to watch stuff at home. And in some cases, they have to. You know, in some cases, the theaters are still not open. Right. Or um, there are some protocols that still are need to be in place. Um, in order for them to keep themselves and others safe uh, in their area. So, you know, it, it's different for everybody right now. And even here, we're, we're almost at getting, to, I think it's full capacity for the most part. New York State, they're, they're going to reopen everything in effect, I think, except for schools and uh, hospitals once we get to the 70% uh, vaccination, which could happen probably by next week. I think we're at 69-something, 692 sure. Um, but even now, I, I, I ordered the tickets uh, from one theater where you, you can set up which seat you want, which row, and they're doing social distancing. So whatever seat you get, nobody is going to be sitting on either side. What are you looking for in this summer? Any, we, you mentioned a couple. Uh, anything else? That Summer is usually those mm -hmm. you know, jam-packed action adventures. I think everything is kind of, there's no game plan now because everybody just wants to go to a movie. Sure. I agree with that. I, I I'm in the mode right now of like, I'll take whatever I can get. Uh, but in the Heights was definitely one of them and that has come out now and it's phenomenal. Um, I'm also really looking forward to the green Knight, a 24s film with Dev Patel. I think that that is going to be something really, really special. And there are a few that I've actually already seen that I can't actually talk about right now, but I'm excited for other people to see. <laughs> but oh. uh, there are, but there are others that, you know, quite frankly, like on paper, I'm not really too enthusiastic about some, but I always try to head into a movie, even if I'm like, all right, I'm clearly not the target audience for this. This movie's made for children. I'm an adult or whatever. And I still always try to head in with an, uh, a feeling of, you know what? Surprise me. Go against my preconceived ideas of what I think this is going to be. I dare you. And I, I love that. So I, I try not to write anything off before I see it. I try to give everything a chance. Oh, by the way, I want to ask you about uh, In the Heights. You, you're, you're very good with the Oscar forecasting, I noticed. Mm -hmm. um, are you very good? I would say you're very good. but uh... I would say that I am uh, someone that people happen to listen to. 
<laughs> do you think in the Heights is something that, again, I haven't seen it yet, but do you mm. think that it's going to be, uh, you know, getting nominations for uh, major awards? You know, listen, it's early to say anything definitive about stuff like that. Um, I, I even think that even when we get to the fall film festivals, um, I think it's fair to say that you think something is a contender, but to declare that you think something is going to get a nomination this early in the game is right. a, a slightly premature because I do think that there are always contenders on paper that you can put in your, you know, advanced predictions and some of them are sure bets than others. I do think that In the Heights is going to be a fringe contender all season long where it won't be one of the uh, safe picks, but it will be something that will be definitely in the conversation. Um, The box office, sadly, uh, I think is going to uh, hurt it unless if it has incredible legs because the opening weekend numbers that just got released uh, earlier today were not encouraging. Um, So I think that's going to be a a problem because there were a lot of people, myself included, who – we're really, really pushing this narrative of this is the movie to see, to go back to theaters to see. Right. This is the summer movie event of the season, so on and so forth, and people aren't going. So that does not bode well because a lot of times in award season, people want to back a winner or a perceived winner. And if this is not perceived as a winner for the industry in that regard, that's going to be a problem. But it does have passionate support. That's usually another factor. I'm not saying that one or the other is the only factor. They sometimes work hand in hand with each other. People got to understand that when you're looking at a movie from an award standpoint, there are a number of different factors. And what I might weigh is more important than, you know, another factor you might view totally differently and say, no, Matt, I I don't think that's going to hurt its chances at all. If anything, I think this is going to help it, et cetera. And we can have an argument and disagreement about that. And that's totally great. I think that's what makes the conversation fluid, interesting, and fun. But what really scares me sometimes with award season is when I see people get so emotionally attached to movies and they want to see them get rewarded for a number of different reasons, like validation purposes, whatever it might be. And and if it doesn't happen, I, I feel for people who get like, upset over that um because i don't want people to get upset i want people to you know obviously i just want people to be happy in life um but at the same time um i i do think that people are always very quick to say why something didn't get nominated and the bottom line is that we'll never know so i always approach it from a standpoint of i'm not going to definitively say this is the number one reason why this didn't happen but here's a list of things that it could have been and i think people really appreciate the measured approach I take to analyzing this stuff where I'm not going for the clickbait headlines of the most radical extreme reaction to something. I am more so looking at it from a very, very analytical perspective of analyzing everything that goes into this, everything. And so the answer is always very complex. Every movie is different. Every year is different. Everything is always different. Past years can help us with trends But sometimes, you know, trends don't hold up or streaks get broken, stats fall all the time that we rely on sometimes. So um, it is sometimes, you know, inexplicable. That's the conversation that's that makes it fun. You know, I mean, I I think also, as we were saying, you know, people coming back, not everybody's coming back, whether it's their choice or the theater's choice. You can't have complete capacity everywhere. 
So I, I think that maybe trends are a little out the window in these, certainly last year and even this year with people coming back, because it's not necessarily on everyone's the same timetable. I mean, I saw in Rotten Tomatoes, I think the movie has a 97 yep. uh, in the Heights, not to completely focus on it, but it's just the timing of it right now. With, no, with it's, it got, it's got passionate support behind it. And now the only thing that's hurting it um, is the box office in terms of it being a perceived winner. That doesn't mean that audiences are not watching the movie. They might be watching on HBO max for right, all we know. Right. I was going to ask about that too. And that doesn't get registered in right. As far as a box office. No, not at all. So really the only thing then that's hurting the film at this point, if that's not a factor is it's early release date of June, which a couple of things need to happen. Um, obviously, no other film now up until September needs to emerge as big of as a contender as this. Um, so that this way it can kind of hold its own from the first half of the year as the only true contender. There's going to be 10 nominations this year for best picture. So there's a lot of slots to play. Oh, around there will be definitely 10. 100% there'll be 10 nominations this year, 10 nominees. And then all that has to happen is cer- certain movies. When we get to the fall film festivals that look like they're going to be uh, contenders on paper, they will release and they will not have the same reviews as that 97% of Rotten Tomatoes. They will not have the passion and support that this movie will have. And when we're talking about momentum, you need that, not just on social media, but you need the big magazines, the big trades. You need these profile pieces. You need the studio to be willing to throw campaign dollars to get actors at events or on these roundtables. And right. they're only going to do all these things if they see that the movie's got a following, a passionate following that will help support that. There's so many reasons why a lot of movies release at the film festivals and then don't ever really go anywhere but in the heights right now i still think can maintain its level of momentum if the passionate supporters for that movie don't give up on it because i'll tell you once those other movies start trickling in once we get to the fall and winter it's going to be very very easy to forget about the one film that released way back in june right right people got to stand firm with it and they got to just make sure that people don't forget about it and and it just came out, we're recording this on Saturday, June 12th, uh, mm-hmm. and it came out on Thursday, I think, the, the 10th, yes. after the close the Tribeca, or open, open, open the Tribeca, open. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had it there, they had it a few places, including Pier 76, I think, Yeah. right? Um, so they've had it a few places, and then it opened officially uh, on Thursday. So I guess with that first weekend, but obviously word of mouth, if those people, like the old commercial, they tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. Are you looking toward the, the fall and the winter? Are there certain uh, movies or directors? You know, I try not to get, like, so held up on all of this a lot of times. Um, I like to, because I, I live my life, like, a weekend at a time, so I just, like, take everything as it comes, but... Uh, yeah, no, there are some that I'm definitely excited about. I'm excited about the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, that's going to be from Joel Cohen, because at the end of the day, the Cohen brothers are just phenomenal filmmakers. This is just one Cohen, though, uh, that's working oh. on this. But it stars Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand. It's going to be shot in black and white. Definitely sounds very, very uh, unique and interesting. Um, I'm also very much looking forward to The Power of the Dog. That's the new film from Jane Campion, who did Bright Star and The Piano. And this one stars um, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Benedict Cumberbatch in a role that on paper sounds unlike anything that he's done before. Uh, Netflix will be distributing that one, and that's supposedly going to be a big one. And then the very significant one for me that I've been waiting now for for two years is Denis Villeneuve's Dune. And the reason why is because... 
with Dune, this kind of harkens back to my love for Lord of the Rings. And this also kind of happened when Game of Thrones came out. And as an adult, the same thing happened to me again, you know, years later in life where I got lost in the immersion of this world. You know what I mean? And so I wanted to dive deep and learn about the mythology and like everything about it. Dune has the potential to be that, not for fantasy, but for the sci-fi genre for a lot of people. And so uh, I do think that there's a tremendous amount of potential there. And as someone who likes spending time in different worlds and learning about cultures and customs and so on and so forth, uh, when it comes to these genres, uh, that's really, really exciting for me. There's a lot out there, and I think this season, even more than last year, will be uh, filled to the brim. This will be big. Yeah, yeah. this is going to be a big year compared to last year, I think. They were just smaller movies last year in terms of lots of indies and uh, movies with, you know, not really big budgets. uh, But no, it was still a high-quality year last year regardless. I know Bill Maher was uh, very critical of this year's... uh, Oh, please, whatever. He he was saying that it was all depressing, and we want something like an In the Heights, really, upbeat... And why would we see a movie about people who are out of work and people who are this and people who are ill? And I didn't agree with that either. I I don't put much stock in his comments like that because that's a good, you know, no, I'm not even going to engage on that level because to me, that's not me having a conversation with a peer or a colleague. That's someone who has an, has an audience who just doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to this stuff. The Oscars will have another delay. We we now know it's going to be the end of March, I think. Mm-hmm. Thank 25th. God it's not the end of April. So Right, right, exactly. I don't know if I can handle another year where it's pushed two months out. Right. Uh, I'm still not thrilled that it's end of March. I, I prefer when it's end of February um, yeah. because I do like having that come down period of March, April, and then we get to can in May. And then it kind of comes down again throughout the summer, June, July, August. But then September rolls around and we're right back into it. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. We'll, we'll see. I'm just glad it's not end of April again. That was ridiculous. Do you think uh, by next year when, and I guess one of the reasons they're having that extra delay, also because of where they are with the movies now, I think they want to give them, give everybody a a little bit more uh, cushion getting all the movies. Do you think that they'll have a uh, full audience back at the Kodak theater? Um, No, I don't think it'll be a full audience. I think it will be uh, back to, you know, it will be back at the Kodak theater, um, but it won't be a full audience. I think that they will still have some restrictions in place, but we're not doing it at, uh, we're not doing it at the train station again. No. (laughs) Do you cover the awards? Do you go to the red carpets and cover those as well? No, I actually don't. And I, you know, and I've thought about this too. Like I, I think one year I will just for fun, but I enjoy watching it as a fan still, even though I'm tweeting most of the time. And that's the thing. I feel like if I was in person, I wouldn't be able to engage on social media during the show the way that I do now. So I feel like I would be robbed of that. And I enjoy it too much. I, I like doing that. I don't usually either. We have a party and I can't. Yeah. Or I'd be sitting if there's another award show watching with my wife See, and she's like, what are you doing? I, I get invited to parties and I and I tell people I can't come because I'm going to be miserable to be around. Like, I'm going <laughs> to ignore everybody. I'm going to just be my head in my phone the whole time. Like, you're not going to want to talk to me. So I'm just, you know, thank you for the invite. But um, I'd rather I'd rather work, you know, during during the show. And that's that's what I'm doing. Right. I mean, that's what the right. whole year it, is, build, is building yeah. up to. Exactly. <laughs> 
do you get really like caught up if either somebody you had picked or didn't or or a movie and if it doesn't go that way do you do you get like really uh vested into those uh picks no not really um i like i said earlier i i get a little worried when people do get too emotionally attached to these things so um i i know what that's like i've been in that situation where i have gotten emotionally attached and you realize that it just like there's only so much negativity that one can afford to carry around with them as they get older. And that's just, that was an easy thing for me to kind of just, well, I'm not going to let this affect me. Um, I'll definitely, you know, I'll feel it for other people if they're upset, but I'm not going to let it upset me. I'll, I'll allow it to shock me or I got angry last year when they did the awards presentation, they did best actor last. I didn't have a problem with Anthony Hopkins winning. So winning and losing is not really a big deal for me. I was actually going to bring that up to you. But, but the order presentation upset me because, uh, and I don't want to get into it too, too much here, but I, you know, best picture should always go last. That's tradition. That's what you do. Uh, But the fact that, you know, they clearly were hoping to manufacture a moment with Chadwick Boseman winning. It didn't happen. They looked like idiots. And what it did was it caused a controversial moment that hurts the institution, uh, that uh, the integrity of the institution that I, that I love so much. And I don't like seeing other people shit all over them for something like that. So that upsets me. Um, I want them to do good. And I want people to, you know, acknowledge when they do the right thing and they do well so that everybody can be, happy <laughs> you know right. uh, but but instead they, they did something so stupid that gave everyone the ammunition they needed to be pissed upset and rightfully so but yeah. it just made for a very awkward evening instead of what should have been a joyous celebration of the medium and is that what it's supposed to be all about at the end of the day right is celebrating the year in film but instead you know all of these other weird factors get involved and God, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, I, I was doing, I was saying, I do these rooms on Clubhouse, and the next day or two days later, uh, we did like an hour or so mostly talking about that, talking about Chadwick mm-hmm. not winning, and a lot of people were very passionate about that. And Chadwick had won posthumously, I think, every award, almost every award. Not, he didn't win the BAFTA, which we, that gave Anthony uh, mm-hmm. a sort of a leg up, at least, uh, in that regard. I mean, the biggest reason that he lost, and once again, there's multiple reasons why he didn't win it's not one thing but i would argue that the biggest thing was because the movie did not have a best picture nomination mm-hmm. and the father did and traditionally if you if you talk to enough voters you you begin to realize especially last year they prioritized the best picture nominees over anything else in any other category those are the movies that you can definitely rest assured that they are going to watch first or the films nominated for best picture. And last year we kept hearing reports about how people weren't watching as many films as previous years and weren't even watching the best picture nominees in some cases. So, you know, they'll never reveal what the voter turnout was, but I'm sure it was probably the lowest, you know, ever um, I would imagine. It was for the ratings, right? That's different. That's, you know, the people that tune in yeah, to yeah, yeah, watch yeah, show. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, in, 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 after the year we just had in COVID and the way that these films were barely seen by people to begin with, that, that was not surprising. And nobody should have reacted, you know, like, oh, is this the end of the Oscars and stuff? And it's like, you do realize we just went through a pandemic. Like, calm down. <laughs> 
Incidentally, I just saw In the Heights. Definitely it's a good choice to get back in the swing of movie going. It translates well to the screen, the singing and dancing are top notch, and I especially like that real life set in Washington Heights. My thanks to Next Best Pictures, Matt Neglia. Questions or comments, email me at hearnowthenewsjb at gmail.com and find me on Twitter at Jerry Barmash. As always, thanks for listening to Hear Now the News.